Pentecost happened over 2,000 years ago. But for those of us who believe, the story never ends. So what is Pentecost? Today we celebrate Pentecost, which is the 50th day after the celebration of Easter, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the fulfillment of the promise that Jesus made to his disciples and he made to all his followers who would follow him throughout all of the centuries. That I am not going to leave you comfortless. That I am not going to leave you powerless. That I am not going to leave you wandering. That I am not going to leave you without hope. But that I am going to send one. One who is a part of the trinity of the, uh, of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and thank God for the Holy Spirit that come on the day of Pentecost. The day in which we celebrate over 2,000 plus years ago that, that God kept His faithful promise. As God was faithful to keep His promise over 2,000 years ago, He is faithful to keep His promises today. He constantly reminds us that I am a God who keeps my word. And my word is there for you to trust. And so let us turn to the word of the Lord this morning. And let us look deep into the scripture and find what Pentecost means to us today, 2,000 plus years later. I want to go back and just simply read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. You've already heard them played out in the video that was just shared. But I want you to hear them from the word of the Lord. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Verses 1 through 4, and I want to just set the stage for what I want to share with you as we take a journey through Scripture today. So let's stand together as we honor the reading of the Word of the Lord. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And the, the Apostles' doctrine here tells us in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It is my prayer today for you today that as the Holy Spirit has already come to do the work of Pentecost, but that he might come this morning and fill our hearts afresh and anew, overflowing with what God wants to do in and through us as a church and as his children. So bow with me as we pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity today to be able to preach on such a wonderful subject. Lord, to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit and what he has done and what he means to me each and every day. Lord, thank you that you gave and fulfilled the promise of God so that we could say today that we have that gift with us today. Holy Spirit, we turn the service over to you and ask that if you want to do whatever it is that you want to do, we are here but your servants. And we have come to say, fill us afresh and anew today. Let us go out of this place filled with your power and your presence, knowing that, Father, that you have called us to be vessels filled with the Spirit of God to pour out into a lost and dying world. And like the disciples of old, on that day when they were filled by your presence, go out and preach the gospel to all that will hear. 
and tell them of what Jesus has done for us. So Lord, would you move me out of the way and hide me behind the cross this morning? And let your word speak unto us and and let the Holy Spirit work in us. And may we see what he has come to do for us and how that we are in partnership with him today. So Father, thank you for your word. Now as we go on a journey, may you lead our way and may you unveil yourself to us in a fresh and new way we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Pentecost can simply be summed up in one word. And I believe that word is simply the word change. We see here in Acts, as we look through the rest of chapter 2, the the change that takes place in the lives of the disciples. The change that took place in the over 3,000 souls that day that heard the gospel message preached in their own language, spoken to them in a way in which they could understand and which the Holy Spirit could use to bring them unto salvation. We're living in a world today that still is in desperate need of change. It doesn't take but about 30 seconds of turning on the news to know that our world is in need of great change. There are so many people who do not believe in Jesus Christ and what great thing He has done for us on Calvary's cross over 2,000 years ago. And they don't understand, how is it that we can find our way to heaven? Jesus said in John, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. But they don't even believe. They're not willing to even give him the benefit of the doubt. And there are so many Christians who are like the disciples before the day of Pentecost. Confused, weak, timid, hiding out afraid to speak to others, we need the Holy Spirit to come to us, God's children, and to change us from that timid, frightful person who is unwilling to go out into a lost and dying world to one who is not afraid of anything but believes that God is in control of everything. And we're going forward in the power of Christ. The problem I see with most folks, sometimes even with myself, I hear myself say, I don't know that I need change. I don't like change, by the way. I don't like my wife to move the furniture. I don't like her to repaint walls. I don't like things to change. Go look at my office. It ain't changed in five years. It's a mess. I don't like change. I, like so many, say, I'm all right the way that I am. Sometimes we say, what do I need to change about myself? Can I just be honest? For all of us, the answer is simple. A lot. We all need a lot of change. Every one of us. We are sinners on a road of sanctification that is constantly about changing who we are to who He wants us to be. We need to be more or less like us and more like Jesus. That requires change. We still have moments, all of us, when we're selfish. We have moments when we are completely misunderstand what God is trying to tell us in the Scripture. 
We still have moments when we fail to share our faith because we are too timid or, or we, we don't think that people want to hear or, or they might reject us. It's true that many of us as Christians know that we are going to heaven. But are we taking anybody with us? Are we doing what we have been left here to do? And that is to go out into the highways and the byways and compel others to come to Jesus. It is true. We might be on our way to heaven. But there are a lot of areas in our life that still need to be changed. We still need to become more and more like the people of God that He wants us to be. We need to be Jesus-like people doing Jesus-like things. So how does a person change a soul? How do we change our soul? Well, let me just remind you, you can't do it on your own. You can't do it by trying to be a better person. You can't do it by turning over a new leaf. No, we cannot do what God wants us to do in our own human power. That's like saying that there is something wrong with my car. But I'm going to try to fix it by being a better driver. I don't think that's going to work. You need someone who knows how to work on your car, your engine. We need someone who knows how to work on our soul. And that is none other than the Holy Spirit of God. But the thing is, your soul is too complicated for you and I to fix on our own. You need someone who understands it, who was there when it was created. You need someone who has been given the access to it. And that is none other than the Holy Spirit. But how? How was he given this access? We go back to the book of Acts and we see the fulfillment of the promise on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit did not come just to dwell among the disciples. Not just to hang out with them, but to inf infuse them with himself. To fill them with all of who he is. The moment that you and I receive Jesus Christ today, we open our hearts to him and the Holy Spirit of God moves in and takes up residence. Just like I talked last week, when the seed is planted, the ground is going to change. When the Holy Spirit of God comes into our lives, He makes everything different. And we must give Him the freedom to do so. The Bible tells us that He wants to do in us what He did in them. He no longer comes with a loud sound of wind or with what looks like tongues of fire or with the ability to be able to speak in foreign languages. The moment of salvation, when, when the Spirit of the Lord comes into our heart, that's our Pentecost. The Pentecost in which we read in the book of Acts was a one-time occurrence that God did as He introduced the Holy Spirit to His children. But the gift of Pentecost continues to go on and on with every believer. Today, the Holy Spirit comes to you through that time of humble acceptance of Christ. And then we're reminded every time we preach the word that the work of the Holy Spirit is evident in our lives. On the surface, it doesn't look like anything spectacular. 
but on the inside, in your soul. All kinds of changes are taking place if God is there. Today, I want to take just a few moments to look at what the Holy Spirit has come to do in your life and in mine. I'm going to give you five basic things that the Holy Spirit of God has come to do because of the gift of Pentecost. And the very first thing that we do, and, and, and keep your Bibles open because I'm going to be flipping to different Scripture verses, and you can try to follow along if you can do that that quickly. But the first one that we're going to is John chapter 16 and verse 13, where we learn that the Holy Spirit of God is come to be our guide. God said, I don't want you to wander through this world aimlessly. I want you to know the direction to heaven. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. And in John chapter 14, when, when his disciples said, uh, Lord, we've never been to heaven. How do we know the way? He said, don't worry, I will guide you all of the way. And in John chapter 16, verse 13, he says, how bid it when we, he, the spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you the things to come. One of the greatest conundrums that we as Christians face in this life is that when something you know is wrong, and having to choose to do what is right rather than what is wrong... You and I as Christians are constantly facing that challenge. I, I think I know what is right, or I know what is right, but do I want to do what is right? This prompting is, in, in, in the face of conflict, is what we call, and the Bible calls, conviction. When the Holy Spirit of God begins to convict you that that's not the way that a Christian lives, that's not the lifestyle that a Christian lives, you can't continue to claim to be my child and yet reject my leadership. That, my friends, is something that we don't like, but it's something we need. The Holy Spirit of God is when the Spirit comes and He begins to speak truth into our life. Because of Pentecost, the presence of the Holy Spirit is constant and consistent. I'm so glad that he doesn't just show up once a year. And what, what would our lives be like if God showed up once a year and said, you got to fix all of the mistakes of the last year? How overwhelming would that be? Oh, I'm so glad that I can't no sooner start making a mistake that I have the Spirit of God that dwells within me and begins to say, are you making the right choice? Are you saying the right thing? Are you going in the right direction? Now, I've got to be honest, I'm like you. I don't always make the right choice. I don't always say the right thing. And sometimes I have to go back and, and after being convicted, I have to repent and acknowledge that, Holy Spirit, I heard you, but I didn't listen to you. And I did my thing instead of your thing. Millions of tiny interactions take place between you and the Holy Spirit every day. You probably argue with Him far more than you think you do, because sometimes we think, oh, it's just my conscience, <laughs> or it's just my logic. No, that's the Holy Spirit of God. If you're a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit of God is what's speaking to you. 
But as the people of God, how often do we stop when we hear that and surrender and listen to the conviction and the direction of the Holy Spirit? In John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus explains how the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is, is the special God-given guide sent to you and I to guide us every day. To help us to make the right choices throughout our day. But to be truthful, His voice is louder than all the others. And yet, sometimes we ignore that voice. Without the Holy Spirit, you would be lost in your understanding of what God is trying to reveal to you through His Word. I'm so thankful that I don't have to pick up the Word of God and try to figure it out on my own, but that I can pray, Holy Spirit, make clear what God is trying to say to me today so that I might walk in your path and not mine. It is important to remember that there is a point in the Bible when the presence of the Holy Spirit was sensed by Jesus' disciples for the first time. The Holy Spirit was tangibly felt, heard, and seen working in the people of God. That day is Pentecost. And today it is a celebration in that moment in history. That we look back and see that God kept His promise and He gave the Holy Spirit. But He didn't just come uh, apathetically. He came with a purpose and a plan for all of the, the existence of time. Can you imagine what it would be like to have been in that room with the disciples that day during Pentecost? To witness the Holy Spirit appearing like a flame on, on people and seeing the effects that it had on them on that day. Oh, how I long to see God's people rise up and actually be the people of God. And speak with boldness and, and, and with assurance that they're being led by the power of God. The same Holy Spirit that ascended and, and accessed the disciples on the day of Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit that came into your life when you asked Jesus to be your Savior. So with that, the same guide is there for us today as he was for them that day. When you worship, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to guide our praise so that it is towards God and not towards man. When you feel conviction, we need to listen to the Spirit and remember that the Spirit of God convicts us because he wants to lead us in all truth, God's truth, his way, not our way. It's not always pleasant, but it's always right. And we need to remember that God gave us the Holy Spirit as the fulfillment of a promise. And just as He gave the promise of the Holy Spirit, every promise that He has given in His Word, He promises and we can trust that He will keep them. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of that. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth, and that truth, the Bible says, will set you free. Pentecost is a good reminder to thank God for the gifts of the Holy Spirit as the guide in your life, not just once a year, not once a while, but every day, every moment of every day, He is there for us. The second truth that we find about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is our helper. In John chapter 15, if we just want to scooch over there, John chapter 15 verse 26 
It says, but when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The Holy Spirit is not only a guide unto all truth, he is also a helper. Now, having a helper does not mean that you are void in your life of hardship. Absolutely not. Matter of fact, just the opposite. Having a helper means that we are more prone to the hardships of life because we have someone who will help us through it. Daily, you and I are faced with hard decisions. Every day we have to make the, the right decision, hard decisions, life decisions. But the good news is that you don't have to do it on your own. The good news is that God has given us a helper, one in which we can lean to, and one in which we can ask for wisdom. The Bible says that if any man lacks wisdom, let him come to God and ask, who gives to all men liberally? Meaning that we have a helper who is there to help us to make the right decisions, to, to, to live the right way, to choose the right things. God gave us the helper called the Holy Spirit so that you and I could not have to be weighed down with every choice and every decision, but we can lean on Him. And as the song Carlene said, when you see there's only one set of footsteps in the sand, it's a reminder that when we were most heavy laden, He carried us through. That's the kind of helper He is. And John chapter 15 verse 26 shows us that Jesus is fully intended for the Holy Spirit to bear witness to the things of God. To help you out when you cannot see God in all of the details. When you are not sure, where is God in this circumstance? Where is God in, in my trouble? Where is God in my heartache? Where is God in my, my marital problems? Where is God in my physical problems? The Holy Spirit of God is there to remind you that He is there for you. And He is there to help you. The Spirit helps you keep the faith and to remember God is always at work in your life, even when you and I cannot see where God is working. Truth of the matter is that people are fickle. And we often don't see God working, but we need to be reminded that He is working all the time. God is still on the throne. Jesus is still Savior no matter what's going on in this crazy world. The Spirit is here to help you navigate through the weariness and the craziness of life. Let me just give you some hope. All hope is not lost. Some of you may need that reminder today as you're walking through some very dark valleys and very difficult times and you're looking at decisions and, and things that you know are coming and, and you don't want them to come, but let me tell you, all hope is not lost. Our Savior is still our God. He is still on the throne and He has given us a helper that will help us through the most difficult of times. The Bible promises that God will never leave you nor forsake you in both the good times and in the bad times. While this is true, God never goes anywhere uninvited. Let me just say that again. God never goes anywhere uninvited. If you want to leave God out, He'll stay out. But if you want God to be your help and your guide in your time of need, then you invite Him in. You need to seek the Holy Spirit in prayer and in the Word every day. 
And when you do, a chain reaction begins. The more you seek the Spirit for help, the more you learn about God, and the more that you see where He is at work in your life, the more you understand God, the easier it is. It will become for you to understand how He is speaking to you when tough times come. Truth of the matter is that every little trial that we go through is to prepare us for the bigger ones that are coming down because our helper says, I don't want you to jump a hurdle that you're not prepared for. Pray. Pray today and ask the Holy Spirit to be that helper. Seek Him in all the things in your ways and and in every decision you make. Think about the fact that if He has not left us nor forsaken us, and that He is our help and He is our guide, think through. Think through what the Word says. Trust the Holy Spirit to help you as He unfolds for you God's direction through His Word. The third thing that we see about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is our power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Backing up to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, if you pick up this book and you begin at the beginning and you read it through the end, you're going to find out throughout the entirety of the Bible we read of the amazing signs of God, the wonders of God in His power, of, uh, of His abilities. From creating the waters in Genesis 1 to parting the waters of Exodus chapter 14. From carving tablets of stone in Exodus, Exodus 20 to a little tiny stone, a slingshot, and a young boy with a big faith to slay a giant in 1 Samuel chapter 17. God has done great things with His great power. He's not only done it in history, but He's done it in your life and in mine. If you're here today and you are saved, God has done a great, powerful work in and through your life. He took a sinner deserving of hell and made them a saint headed to heaven. I don't know about you, but that's powerful work. God's great power is not only displayed in the accounts of the Old Testament... If you follow then into the New Testament, into Jesus, then the power of the Holy Spirit is available to you and I today. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says that that if you follow Jesus, if you receive Him, the power of the Holy Spirit is available to you. That you will receive power from the Holy Spirit as He comes upon you. It is the Holy Spirit who empowers you and I to be able to spread the gospel. It is the Holy Spirit of God who controls our life. We're not like a robot. God's not up there with a little digital box going, nee, 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 nee. No. The Holy Spirit of God is that which says to us, if you want to live the best life, if you want to fulfill John chapter 10 and verse 10, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly, then let me lead you. Let me help you. Let me instill my power in you. But the story doesn't end there. Pentecost causes us to remember that God has done great things in the past. Every page of the Bible proves it over and over again. 
God has given you an opportunity to join in His story. I've always wanted to be a part of history. Well, I found out that if, as a child of God, if I am obeying the Lord, I am in His story, which is history. He wants to play a vital role in and through you. A role that only you can play. God has made you perfectly suited and exactly for the things that he needs you to do for him. And he has given you everything that you need through his power. The power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish it. So what do we need to do? We need to pray and ask God to give us opportunity to be a part of his story. And allow him to display the Holy Spirit's power and love to a world who so desperately needs to see Christ in us. The fourth thing, the Holy Spirit of God is our teacher. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, we find that the Bible tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is a tricky thing. Faith is a hard thing for us as humans. Sometimes you believe because you witness something firsthand. For instance, you most likely all believe that water is wet, right? Yeah, well, why? Well, because all of you have drank it. And all of you, well, I hope all of you have bathed in it. We'll just kind of go with that, okay? So we've experienced it. It would be ludicrous for me to say to you today that water is dry and sandy. Well, that would just be foolish because you know the difference. You've all shared in water. It would make no sense. So sometimes our, our, our faith is because we see and we hear and we know. However, on the contrary, belief sometimes requires having confidence in things that we have yet seen. Things that are unseen to us, but, but we, we have been told they have happened. For instance, when a friend... Well, you can be certain of, of certain truths and experiences because when a friend hugs you or says something nice, you believe their love for you is real because you learn their character as you get to know them. As Christians, one of the best ways to learn the character of God, we've been telling you this by reading Scripture. We'll give you a daily, weekly reading plan to put you in the Word of God so that you might learn the character of God. Revelation of God's character leads to a deeper faith in who He is and what He has promised. God's Word holds every promise that God has ever made, and will forever fulfill. The more time that you spend reading it, the more the Holy Spirit will reveal God's promises to you and how He wants to fulfill them through you. Now Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 is a reminder of how faith is the confidence of hope, of the assurance of the things yet unseen. As you and I navigate the forest of faith, Filled with peaks and valleys and boldnesses and uncertainties. 
Remember, the hope that we have is found in Christ. Now remember, what is Pentecost? Pentecost is the 50th day after Easter. So let me just remind you that Easter teaches us that we have already won the victory. That because Jesus died and he went to the grave and he defeated death in the grave and rose from the grave, we are victorious. Easter reminds us that we have won. We've not seen the end yet. But I've read the back of the book and it reminds me we won. And we win. And we're going home. And he's coming back. The promise of Pentecost is only the continuation of that hope. It deserves all of the excitement of Easter, but with the added perspective of the presence of God with us right now, working and revealing His character in all who will allow Him to. The last one, the fifth one, is the Holy Spirit is our friend. I'm glad that the Bible says that God is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In John chapter 14 and verse 26, it says, But the Comforter, which is of the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance of whosoever I have said unto you. The journey to be better, or to better understand the Holy Spirit is not a journey easily taken. Because many times the church over the years, because of men and teachers who were afraid to teach what the Bible says about the working of the Holy Spirit because they didn't fully understand it and didn't want to try to teach it, has left you, the church, in a lurch. Many of us don't understand the power that we have in the gift of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us and that he is a personal friend to all who believe. I want you to understand today that the Holy Spirit of God has come as that friend that sticks closer than a brother. The goal of the Holy Spirit of of learning is not to master the knowledge of him, The goal is simply to invite the Holy Spirit into the spaces of your heart that only He can access and make changes to you that only He can make. Now listen, let me remind you. The Holy Spirit of God is our guide. He is the helper who helps us in times of need. He is all the power that you need. And He is the one who teaches us All things. And he wraps all of that up with saying, I am your friend, and I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. If you choose to ask me to go wherever you go, I will go. But if you tell me to stay and stay out of your life, I will stay and stay out of your life. But as a friend... I will continue to remind you that I'm just outside. The Bible tells us that the Lord knocks upon the heart of every one of us, just waiting for us to open the door and welcome Him in. We have been given the greatest gift 
that God could ever give besides his son and his death and his burial and his resurrection and and the salvation is the gift of the Holy Spirit that says, I am here with you for everything that you walk through. So let me ask, do you consider the Holy Spirit your friend? Or is he out of reach, out of context, or just out of sync in your life because you've left him somewhere? If this sermon teaches you anything, let it show you the importance of making regular choices to encounter the Holy Spirit of God in and through your day. You cannot or grow in your friendship with another person without a regular opportunity of fellowship, a phone call, grabbing coffee, or having a meaningful conversation. You are not a friend to those who you've just met on the street. You're a friend to whom you have invested your life in. In many ways, your relationship with the Holy Spirit is no different. He is an approachable friend. He's waiting for you and I to invite Him in. We have to choose to want to spend time with Him because He wants to spend time with you. So let me close like this. Just like the unending love of the Father and the saving grace of the Son, we have the awakening presence of the Holy Spirit. He promises a lifetime of relationship with a triune God. Stop today, if you have never done, and ask the Holy Spirit to come in in a real an incredibly personal way to speak into your life, life and truth, to guide and to direct and to help and to comfort and to be the friend that you need. This morning, right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity. Just just hear me. Invite the Holy Spirit to reveal more of Himself to you this morning. Then as you leave today and you go throughout your day, allow this moment of of request to transform into moments that shape your day. As you practice the discipline of inviting the Holy Spirit into your circumstances each day, I promise you He will unlock a deeper understanding of His role in your life. Watch and see. Let the journey begin this morning. Celebrating Pentecost is a reminder that God sent the Holy Spirit to be with us every day as our guide, helper, power, teacher, and friend. Children of God, don't miss out on what God has given unto each of us. Now, if you'll just look at the screen, there's one last video that I want you to see. 
I hope will just kind of remind you that Pentecost is about worshiping our God for what he has given unto us. Go ahead. Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit. come and fill this place with your presence. Embolden us to spread the fire of your Spirit. This day, may we devote ourselves to teaching and fellowship. May we break bread together. And let us pray as Augustine. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts may all be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always may be holy. May we never cease to be amazed at your works, and may we always remember that you are with us. Amen. This morning in the Holy Spirit of God is not a personal part of your life. I invite you this morning just to pray. Just to ask Him to be there. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I ask that you not leave today without knowing the joy of salvation. He wants to come in and take that sinful, broken life and and, and begin to transform it into a life of Christ. He's taken the first step. He went to Calvary. You need to take the next step and come to him. Father, as we leave and as we close this morning, I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would do the work that only you can do. And I pray that people would not reject, refuse, or delay, but they would listen to and follow through with your leading. Holy Spirit, go with us now that we may follow you and you may speak to us and we may hear all that you have and respond in an obedient fashion. May we not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but may we follow after him. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said,